0: Wow, surprised by life. How many of you know that surprises can be good or surprises can really be bad? I'd like to talk to you about a a bad surprise we had while on I-5. We were part of Joy I-5 years ago. How many of you remember, maybe you remember it since yesterday, what it's like to have more month at the end of your money? and 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 uh so you know you're you're young family you're trying to raise kids and you want to do the groovy thing so years ago when when uh my kids were fairly young uh we we bought it a, a travel trailer and we had an older suburban that we'd tow it with and so we were going to take them to disneyland and so uh we're, we're going down i-5 we'd spent um a night or two with ted and angela at bettis and uh, they were living living in uh, Lathrop, which is right outside of Manteca. And so we're gonna go down I-5 all the way across the Grapevine and take the kids to Disneyland. Well, the old trailer I had, it had some faulty tires, you know, and so I think we had like two or three flat tires on the trailer, and of course I'd go buy used ones to put on it, so I don't think we had, of the four, any that matched. And then all of a sudden we're going down I-5 and and one of the Suburban tires goes flat. So, okay, I can handle this. So I, I take the, the wheel, go to Costco and Modesto and get get a, a wheel uh, mounted and inflated. And then I just used a regular wrench instead of a torque wrench. You know where they're going here. So we leave Lathrop and we're heading down I-5 and we, we're right by... Santanella where the Anderson split pea soup (laughs) restaurant is and all of a sudden one of the one of the kids yelled dad the tire just just passed us and I see (laughs) fire coming out of the side of the." (laughs) well it was just right after that movie how the emperor got his groove back so to try to make light of it, I told the kids, Papa, you know, Daddy got his groove in the California freeway here. Because, I mean, the, 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 it flops over and it's like How many of have ever done something bad and that, that metal screech is not a good sign? You kind of want to go, this can't be good. And so, so we screeched and we found out we had, that the, that the uh, tire, because it wasn't tightened enough, it sheared the bolt. And uh, so that was gonna take more repair than we thought. So we get, get it towed uh, to uh, a repair place in uh, Modesto and then we spent a week of vacation at Ted and Angela's house. I'm telling you, ice water and movies, are, you just can't beat them, you know? And we took the kids to Disneyland the next year. So we had a surprise. But think about this individual that we've all read about in the Bible. He had a plan, and his plan was nefarious, and it was cruel, and it was evil, and it was the nightmare for believers, and it was the plan of the Apostle Paul to head from Jerusalem and go up into Damascus and apprehend more people up in Damascus that were confessing the name of Jesus. And Paul was Antichrist, we 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 think of him as being the the number one author of the New Testament. Outside of the words of Jesus, the, the most quoted words and the most written words in the New Testament are the words of Paul. And Paul was completely against Christ. And there was nothing that showed that he was inclining that direction. And so you would think this guy should be smitten by God. He should be destroyed. Instead, he was surprised by life. That's what we've been singing about today, is how he's coming after me. There's no mountain too tall. There's no shadow he won't light light up. There's no lie he won't write. He's coming after me. How many of you know that God loves to surprise people, not with death, but with life? Let's look at the, the story Today's message is only three points and I'll mix a few others in. Um, I'm not trying to be simplistic, but I've, I really felt that the message for today was to be simple for a couple of reasons. I've been eating barbecue and high sugar items up at camp. So my blood sugar could be like 1,400 right now. And I wanna keep it simple. And number two, many of you are, are either Uh, fixing to go somewhere or you're maybe taking a break from camping or whatever. So we want to keep it just real focused. and, And I believe that God had a word for us about his surprising grace that he brings in our life, how he wants to surprise us with life. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, starting at Acts chapter 9. This is the story of Saul's conversion. Don't just write it off and say, I've heard it a number of times. How many of you know that when you hear something, sometimes you get something new from something old that's being repeated? Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. Now that's a commitment to threatening. And was eager to kill the Lord's followers. You can't put lipstick on a pig, and you can't make Saul of Tarsus look prettier because you read the end of the story. As far as the Christians were concerned, this guy was, he was the FBI's most wanted anti-Christian that they knew. He was committed and eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? His reply: "Who are you, Lord?" Saul asked, and the voice replied, "I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting." Now, I want to I want to bring us up here. We we, we realize that Saul of Tarsus was completely aggressively opposed to the Christian message. Uh, we find out uh, that. He probably had some realms of conviction, maybe even at the death of Stephen, but it wasn't the kind of conviction where he was seeking guidance from God. So while he's most likely walking, I love to hear the story of his conversion. People say he was knocked off his high horse, but I've read Acts 9 time and time again, and the following times when Paul talks about it, he never talks about riding a burrow, He never talked about riding a chariot. He never talked about riding a horse, whether it was a miniature horse or a high horse, but he was knocked on his keister. He was knocked to the ground and he knew he was having a spiritual revelation. Something in the supernatural realm was happening. How many of you know that you can get hit by lightning that's different than getting hit by the Holy Spirit in a confrontation that's gonna bring you life? Okay? Lightning strikes do happen. People do survive getting hit by lightning. In fact, I've heard stories of people that two or three times it happened. For me, I would just want to have a lightning rod all the time with me and and and, and, and be insulated and, and whatever. But he he was having a spiritual experience. He's on his way to do evil, and he's nearing Damascus when a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. Now the Bible doesn't say that the other people saw the light, at least not in this portion. This light shines from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? The the word here in Greek is kurios, which for a Jewish, an Orthodox Jewish believer, they would call none but Jehovah Lord. None none is supreme master. In that moment of, of, of the light from heaven, him falling to the ground, His eyes were closed at this point, and he hears a voice, and the voice is saying, so why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He realized that whatever feeling he'd had with a religious fervor by which he was persecuting Christians, that wasn't the groovy feeling he was feeling now. How many of you know when you have an encounter with the living God, when the Holy Spirit penetrates your zone? And when the Holy Spirit penetrates your consciousness, there's something about it that, that, that that I love hearing stories about people that got blasted into the kingdom of God. I'm nervous about people that can't tell you the day and the hour. When they, when they were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Paul never had a problem remembering the moment. It had nothing to do with all of the Bible memorization he had. It had nothing to do with him keeping the law. It had nothing to, to do with him being from the tribe of Benjamin. But he knew that on that moment, a light shone and a voice said, why are you persecuting me? And he knew instinctively, this is God. That's why when Christians come to Christ, I don't hear stories of Christians leaving Christianity and going to Buddhism, or Christians leaving Christianity and going to Satanism. When you meet the living God, it tends to be an eternal explosion of faith that happens in your heart. And you know by the Spirit, you know who God is, and you know who he isn't. Oh dear, he definitely had too much sugar. When you're born in the fire, you'll never be happy in the smoke. When you're born by the invigorating, life giving manifestation of God, you'll never be happy to live where you deny the things of the Spirit, you deny the things of God. Paul was not the kind to back up once he knew the truth. And to me this is one in a great number of proofs of the deity of Jesus Christ that Paul needed to understand. That this one that they were preaching out of Jerusalem, this one that John said we touched him, we held him, the presence of God tabernacled. That God made his tent In Jesus, he was the tabernacle of God, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so he didn't say, this is the Holy Spirit dealing with you. This is Jehovah God. No, he knew in an instant when he said, I'm Jesus, I am Jehovah's salvation. He knew that that not only was Jesus a man, but Jesus was transcendent. He was the true God. I I would think if I could preach this in a Christian congregation, I might get some response. This is the true God. Jesus is the true God. When you persecute the body of Christ, you're persecuting Jesus himself. That's why we, we seek to always make sure our offenses get reconciled, that we speak well of one another because Christ in you is the hope of glory. If I harass or persecute you, I'm persecuting Jesus Christ. And Paul got it. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. This is a sign of true being born again. People that are are just exploded into the kingdom, there's a willing spirit. As the Bible said, in the day of your power, your people will be volunteers. There's something about it, you know, man, I'm, you know, you you were into whatever your gig was in the past. Maybe it was hanging around with the boys and drinking from, you know, six o'clock at night till you come home blitzed at 11. Isn't it funny how nobody questions when people in the world are completely committed to their vices, but then if you get kind of radical for Jesus, you've gone off the edge. But I think that when you're born of God, the first thing you want to do is, I want to know my dad, I want to know my placement, I want to know the call of God in my life, and I want to get with it. I want to get it on now. That day that I got my adult conversion in March of 1971, man, I'm in my bedroom and I get hit with an epiphany and and a revelation of my own sin. Church kid, how many know they're the worst sinners of all? Church kids, look around them and glare at them and say, you church kid, you're a worse sinner. You're even worse than Pete Miller. Okay, (laughs) Pete's our poster child for, for sinners right now. Pastor Denny's working in Grants Pass, so we have a new one now. New whipping boy, okay. But for me, it's when I saw him it was like I come out to my mom because I was alone in my bedroom. I come out, man, and I just hugged her and asked what was for dinner. And I come out with my eyes like wide open, like, whoa, like, what's wrong with you? It's Jesus. I've heard so many stories of people that got t- get touched by God. And immediately, one of our former elders, Pastor Al Lawrence, one day he was preaching, you know, constitutional law. And, you know, and he'd created his own license plates. And he was kind of a patriot rebel kind of guy. And and people would drive up to his camera shop. He had a drive-through camera repair. And he was preaching all this constitutional stuff. And he, one night was trying to read the Bible late at night to prove that Jesus was not God. And he got a revelation of it and got born again. The next day, the people thought he'd lost his mind because it's like, do you know Jesus? Immediately, immediately, immediately immediate. When God does things, they're immediate. The consequences keep building, but there's something about the immediacy when the presence of God really does something. And so it says here, you're to go into the city and you're going to be told what you must do. Do. Believing always promotes some kind of action. Well, I believed in Jesus. Well, did you change? No. No, no, that's not what biblical belief is. Biblical belief is what I begin to receive motivates my action, the way I think, the way I act, the way I speak, etc. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Paul picked himself up off the ground, (laughs) but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So it must have been like, whoa, he has a blinding light. He's knocked onto his keister. He's blinded. He hears the voice. His companions heard the voice, but they didn't see anyone. Now, they must have been freaked out. And he's blind when he opens his eyes. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. This is called a radical fast. When a nation was right set to be destroyed, like in, in Nineveh, the king of Nineveh said, Three days, no one drinks any water, no one eats any food, and neither do the animals. You could imagine in Nineveh like this. The cattle, they'd sound like Don Tersif on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, making the sascots noise. And, and that was the kind of a fast that, that, that Saul was on. I think he was so God-shocked, he probably didn't think about not eating. He probably was sitting around wishing someone to bring him a Perrier. He just was, uh... Ah, oh, blinded. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. One of the signs of righteousness is, is heartfelt Prayer. When God wanted to identify for Ananias to start helping him on the process of of processing this man's conversion, he said he's praying right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. It wasn't bad that he said, hey, I'm going to have you go pray for a guy named Saul. They were all over Israel. (laughs) But the, you know, the surname attached of Tarsus. Now, Saul of Tarsus, we all know about him. He's a bad man. I rebuke you, Satan. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. I, I think we need to keep stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Read the mail. This guy's coming in. He's not waiting for an interview. He's telling him, hey, by the way, God sent me. You know, Lord Jesus had appeared to you on the way. Yeah, we've been talking. He's talking about you praying. He's talking about the fact that you're going to suffer many things, but you're a chosen vessel. Chosen. Absolutely chosen. With no merit. Nothing that he had done To say, oh, he's almost a Christian. This guy sets a good heart. He should become a Christian. I've heard people say that. Let me tell you something. Who should become a Christian? All people. And God is gracious that to some of us, he goes on extraordinary methods to pull us in when we are completely at war with him. And that's what got so into his spirit that Paul could never, never abide Judaism. He could never abide the Judaizer spirit that said, Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus health food. It's not Jesus plus self-discipline. It's not Jesus plus aerobics. It's Christ alone is our merit, and he's the only source of our salvation. He is our only hope in this life and in the life to come. I'm really enjoying myself. I hope that I'm not just alone here. Maturity in a believer, the watershed thing is whether you're willing to suffer for Christ. The Bible says you're not going to, you're not going to receive his glory if you don't suffer with him. You know, many people, there's a a couple of themes going on in, in churches today. The wordless book, where we use Christian cliches, but not scripture. And then there's now crossless walks. But I want to tell you something. We want to be people of the book, what is written, and also too, we're gonna to, we're gonna use the cross walk. Take up your cross daily. You're rated by your willingness to suffer and carry on and keep the faith. Be faithful unto me, even unto death, and I will give you the crown of life, which was the prophecy over the church of Smyrna. And Paul, talk about a crusty, tough dude. He knew the hatred. He knew that that same spirit that he had moved in was going to come against him. And at his conversion, God said, you are going to suffer many things. And he goes, worth it? That's why you didn't see him whining. That's why you could see him praising God with homeboys like Silas at midnight with their back having been ripped open raw, and they're in the dungeon, and they're singing praise. Trust me, that kind of a Christianity that doesn't deny healing, it doesn't deny miracles, but also that time when your deliverance doesn't seem to come as you would like it scheduled, and you can still worship God, you can have a song in your heart at night. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of maturity. Not he that dies with the most toys wins. Not he that prays in the most gold is the goody. That's false doctrine. The doctrine of Jesus Christ is his God is going to equip you with everything you need to fulfill the will of God. He'll give you all the money, but he may send you through a path. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I've never seen a a mature Christian that hasn't gone through the valley of the shadow of death. So it's not like, yay. It's like, it's going to happen, Fritz. Instantly, the scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. We We won't go on from here. But what we see is that immediately he started preaching in Damascus. They had to get him out of there. My first point was Paul was surprised by life. But when he saw it, he took it. Kim and I have evangelized people, had people at the point of crying, and made a decision to turn from Jesus tell you, when you see that person and only God knows who that person is because the Bible said that they, those that are born of the spirit, they're like the wind. No man knows from whence they come. They can be a root out of dry ground but they buy the treasure and they take it. I've watched good people go through sufferings and, and I've interceded and said, oh God, how can this be? How can this be? But I don't worry about the person. Because you can tell those that they they have put their hope in Jesus and they're they they are fixed to the altar of God. They've taken it. We are given life like Paul was according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It said, Once you were dead, because of your disobedience and many sins. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. You think Paul's theology was affected by that knockdown? I will tell you something. God wants to give us experiences, and it will change our doctrine. It will change our understanding. (laughs) The Apostle Paul, he got his understanding of the grace of God by what he personally experienced. And then, then the Lord showed him throughout the Old Testament just how God always honored those that sought him of every nation. Grace For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. What's the qualification? To be born again, you've got to have a sinner. Some folk won't admit any sin, so they can't get saved. It takes a sinner to make a saint. And every every precious saint that I have ever encountered, they're always will tell you, I was a sinner. I was a sinner. Not because I sinned occasionally, but because it was in my nature. And I am a saint because of the work of God. And his grace encountered my life when I believed. I love those testimonies of people saying, God, I'm just a drunk. God, I'm just a harlot. I've gone from man to man just to find someone to pay my rent. And and God, if you can save me, would you save me? I've never heard anyone tell me that when they called out humbly to God, that they were ever met by the Holy Spirit. You know what? You're just a little much. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you there's room at the cross but it doesn't come with well I'm cleaning myself up to get ready to be a Christian that only puts a bondage mentality no come to the cleansing stream of the blood of Jesus <laughs> that's the epiphany that Paul got that's what he's teaching here in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So point two just as point one was Paul was surprised by life, but he took it. Point two is you're surprised by life. But point three is, but will you really take it? Will you take it? Every time we say goodbye to a precious saint, we've said goodbye a great number of times this year to people that we loved. And I'll always say this, they're no longer at risk. I am. He that endures to the end shall be saved. You can't, there's an old song that we used to sing or was sung as a special in church years ago said, I've gone too far to turn around now. I want to tell you something. I'm not super old yet, unless you ask the teenagers. But since walking with Jesus fervently, since I was 16, got too much to turn around. I think we need to have the fear of God, church. Amen. Don't fear man who can destroy your body, but be, rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul and hell. Who is God going to speak to, Isaiah 66? To him who trembles at my word. Will you take it? That was, you know, we didn't coordinate with the music at all. I surrender all. I surrender all. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. There's so many opportunities to fall away that hurt, bitterness, disappointed, remorse, unanswered prayers. I want to tell you something. The Apostle Paul suffered much, but we know him as the great overcomer, Paul. Let's stand together if we could. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I think the Holy Spirit can still speak even on vacation days. This is what, what I say to myself to try to stay sharp in the Lord. Will I, will, I, will I take it? Abraham is called the father of the faithful. If you look at the trials of Abraham, they ratcheted up bigger each step. A lot of people say, well, you know, I believe God, and I went through a a really rough time. I know it's going to get easier now. You read that from another book. That's not from the Bible. The Bible says that God wants to give us grace and strength because the challenge that we overcome today might be small compared to the next one that's down the pike. That's why to really say, Lord, let me walk in grace. Let me fear you. Let me tremble at your word. Let me not get caught up with mammon or flattery or pride. But let me serve at the pleasure of the king every day. Hallelujah. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. When the Apostle Paul had that epiphany, He understood that he wasn't getting any closer to God by being a Benjaminite, by being a Pharisee, by doing all the things that he had done that were even prescribed in the Old Testament law. He didn't feel a bit closer because he was still mired in his sins. A lot of times we feel like we're almost a Christian, that we need a little help from God to get over that holiness hump. But the Bible basically teaches it that we're not even on the globe. It's not a matter of a little boost. It's a matter of you're not even in the right planet. You're in planet dead. And you need to get transplanted into life. Life only comes through the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through behavior modification. Right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is dealing with people. And he's saying, I want you son. I want you, daughter. I want you to believe in me, and I want you to be able to call on my name. If you're here today and you say, pastor, as you've been preaching, I realize that I've been trying to do good things, maybe even godly things, but I just need to have that epiphany. I need Jesus just to wash away my sins. I want to receive Jesus today. Would you raise your hand? You're here today and you say, Man, I I want in. I want to be in the world of life and not in the world of death. This morning we haven't had any hands go up, so I'm going to assume that most of us are believers. If you're not a believer and maybe you're a little embarrassed to raise your hand, you can call on the Lord anywhere, (laughs) it still works. But let me just focus now on those of us that are believers. How many of you know that you can be surprised by life and you can fall back by decisions and not take it? Did that make sense when I taught that? You can open your eyes. Look at me. We're going to pray with you. Do you realize you can be surprised by life, but you can slide? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Neglect. Take it for granted. Sometimes we need to just pound our chest and say, get it, get it, get it, schmelzer, get it. Get God's love. Stay focused. Remember the day of your conversion. It was explosive. It wasn't vague. It was clear. It was clean. How many of you can remember the day you got saved? How awesome it was. That, you know, we can we can take the Lord for granted. We can take the Holy Spirit for granted. We can take the Holy Bible for granted. We need our tools. We need to be together. We need to fellowship together. We need to encourage each other in the faith. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you say, I want to take it? Get your taker hand up there, both of them. Let's just even physically just like you're grabbing something. Lombano. Reach out and grab it. That's the Greek word for take. We take, we take that mantle of salvation. We receive the call of God in our life. We receive the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We receive the work of the Holy Spirit. We encourage the work of the Holy Spirit, not only among Pentecostals, but all the call on the name of the Lord. Work with them, Lord. Work with them. Revealing the Holy Spirit and your plan in our lives, Lord. If you're a tongue talker, go ahead, fire away. Let's pray. Let's build up our spirit. Build up our inner man praying in the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, you're building up your people. You're building up your people, Lord you are making us strong in the spirit we take the things of God we stir up we stir up that gift of God that's in us Lord we don't want to neglect so great a salvation we want to walk in your way Lord we want this to be a holy week not a week of selfish pleasure but a week of seeking God hallelujah Hallelujah. July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th. It's Jesus time. It's Jesus time. We sing to you, Lord. We sing to you, Lord. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Father, I pray a blessing on each each person here. These are your sheep, Lord, and they're beautiful. And Lord, we thank you that we have the great shepherd who's looking over all of us. And we pray Lord ayúdanos ahora Señor necesitamos su gracia y su poder en sus vidas ayúdanos Señor help us Lord we need you God in our heart, in our life in our mind help us Lord We give you the thanks and the favor and the blessing, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen.